Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, Hamble out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Goal. Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's oh. kicked the goal from inside the centre. Yes, hello everyone and welcome to the final SC Playbook podcast for season 2023, proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. My name is Eddie, I'm in charge of the controls as usual for the podcast. Joining me today though are a couple of the uh, special guests we've been having on all season. They've been regaling us with all sorts of Supercoach stories, advice, news and much, much more. So I'm thrilled to have them back on for one final pod. Uh, the first is overall runner-up in 2022, Stevie Nico, coach of Lovsky FC. Nico, how are you travelling this morning? Hi, Bennett. Yeah, doing... Oh, Bennett. Eddie, sorry, mate. Doing pretty well. Oh, that's a spoiler. <laughs> doing pretty well, mate. Yeah. Um, you know, Monday morning, a couple of uh, couple of things um, that work has thrown up, but, you know, dealt with that and pretty happy to be chatting Supercoach. Love it. Well, the cat is out of the bag. The other member joining me today is uh, the Supercoach star, the Bandit, uh, SC Bandit on Twitter. Uh, he's been helping us out all season. He breaks the news. Uh, he chats to, about, chats to us about everything Supercoach related. Bandit, how are you traveling on this fine Monday now afternoon? I'm going well, thanks, boys. Jump in the jump in the gun a little bit there, Nico. But uh, yeah, no, nice to be <laughs> nice to be back on Eddie and uh, yeah, chatting Supercoach to uh, to round out the season. So uh, looking forward to getting into it. I'm super excited for what we've got to get to today, and I think it's going to be really valuable for people both looking back on this season uh, and doing a little bit of planning for, God forbid, season 2024, season 2023, sorry, uh, coming up. <laughs> Gee, I nearly jumped the gun there myself. We've um, started well, haven't we? <laughs> we've started fantastically well here today, boys. Um, it's really good stuff. Uh, but yeah, Nico, for the last time this year, I want to find out how you went over the weekend. Um, how did Lobsky FC travel, uh, and how are you feeling about the, uh, yeah, the result over the weekend? Yeah, I had a... Had another stinker, so a, a two three <laughs> two three four three um, for me, which I thought you know wasn't too bad, but I actually dropped a thousand and twenty nine rankings, so um, out to eleven thousand four hundred and thirty four to finish the season. So yeah, obviously um, not too pleased with that with that result. So yeah, a lot of things unfortunately went wrong this year, as um, I've been complaining about in my articles and and on the podcast. <laughs> Well, I'm going to dig deeper into what went wrong this weekend specifically, but first I want to find out how you went, Bandit. Um, was it a good finish to season 2022 for you? Yeah, I, I finished the year on a pretty positive note. I scored 2-4-6-4 for the week. So, uh, yeah, my overall rank, uh, I think, just increased a little bit on the back of that um, to about 18,500, which, um, as Nico said, you can't really be too happy with. But I suppose in the context of things where I was sort of midway through the year in the sort of sort of late 20,000 overall rankings. That's um, that's not a bad recovery, I don't think. And um, yeah, there's definitely some lessons to be taken out of that heading into 2023. I love it. Keen to hear more about your 2023 plans going forward. Um, I unfortunately had a 2404, uh, which pushed me down 52 ranking spots down to 323 overall for the season. So not the best finish to the season, unfortunately. Um, I'll get into it in a bit more depth in a sec. But firstly, Nico, what went right for you over the weekend? Um, just want to acknowledge, mate, the super year you had. So well done, Eddie. That's a that's a tremendous result for you. Thank you. Um, Very happy with it. My wins for the week. Um, Sicily with these one thirty four looked like he was going to go absolutely bananas. It was on about a hundred, I reckon, close to maybe at half time. Uh, he finished on one thirty four. I had Doherty who um, has really stepped up in uh, in some midfield absence for the Blues with a with a one thirty eight and Merritt with his one fifty. Which was um, which was good to see him bounce back and and you know he's been a little bit up and down. We're getting tags and, and all the such, but yeah, he did really really well on the weekend. Um, things that went wrong, you know, Crisp with another sixty, he's been very ordinary. Uh, once again, Duncan out, so I don't know how he's managed for what will be three weeks um, now coming into finals. He must have an injury. So, so stiff. Just Geelong, so just Geelong being Geelong, I guess, there. So I had to field Massimo again, and he got a 55. And um, unfortunately, my captain pick didn't work out, and I had it on Took this week. So he just had a low ton. So, yeah, so, some missed opportunity there. Uh, and the ruck line, which has been, you know, a bugbear for me for the whole season, and I'm not the only one, but uh, a 74 from Gorn and an 83 from Darcy. So mm. that's, what, about 150. And last week, they scored 250 between them. So... Yeah, some, some lost points there as well. 
Yeah, it's not ideal. It was I, I don't know. Some people must have really catched him. I've seen a few people on Twitter who had monstrous weeks, but for we, for me, it was one of those weeks that just everything went wrong. Um, my none of my new uniques scored well. It was only the guys that everyone else owns that I had that, that did well. Uh, I had to watch Merritt and Doherty put up those monster scores. I had Bailey Dale, the two Brayshaws, terrible. Uh, Mills, Marshall, just just not a good week overall for my boys, which sucks. Uh, but it was good to watch. Laird as captain was fantastic. Um, Will Brody, what a season he's had, and topped it off with a massive score. Uh, and Tim English, finally a little bit of a little bit of a glimmer of light with him, um, as we kind of predicted last week. He he did match up well against the Hawks, and he played very well against them. What about you, Bandit? What were your wins and losses for the week? Yeah, I think the the main win for me was was captaining Rory Laird, um, particularly when you look at guys like um, as you mentioned, Nico Miller. Oliver, Neil, Mills, you know, none of those guys um, scored over 120. So I suspect there'd be quite a few coaches out there who'd be uh, thanking a captain score from Rory Laird uh, in their grand final matchups. That would have probably got him a win over someone who, you know, Captain Clayton Oliver or, or Mills or someone like that. So that was probably the major win for the week. I didn't have much else to report outside of that. Um, the only blemish really was just two scores below 80, but everyone else was was uh was eighty or, or more. So that was um that was probably what was the uh the major driving factor in getting to, to two four zero zero plus. Lovely work, Bandit. Before we move on to uh, the next part of the pod, Nico, I want to find out were you watching the game yesterday, the Collingwood Carlton game? Um, run us through your emotions in the last sort of 10, 15 minutes of that because uh, I was up at about 1am watching it over here in Vancouver and it was uh, it was hard to sleep afterwards. Oh, brilliant that game. Way. Yeah, how good was that? Um, oh, look, to be honest there, for a point I was thinking, oh no, we're going to be playing Richmond and in an elimination final and, and they're, you know, going really, really well and I was thinking, oh, we're, we're gone here. But, um, you know, there was that, that little bit of hope, obviously, because we've done it so many times this year that, and we just seem to be finishing games really, really strong. I think our fitness team have obviously done really, really well, and and we've also got that that drive and determination that, you know, we know that we can win it from any position. And oh boy, yeah, when when the goal started coming through, um, uh, unfortunately the kids were a little ratty, so I had Levi on me. So uh, for the last five minutes, and um, I said to Bree, I said my wife, I was like, I don't know if this is a good idea. It's getting pretty close here. <laughs> And uh, she's like, you have to be responsible. Come on, Nico. So, yeah, it was probably probably kept the lid on my emotions a little bit, holding the little guy um, in the last five minutes. But, yeah, there was a, there was a big scream when uh, when Billy slotted that goal for sure. Oh, it was beautiful. We loved to see it. Um, as a Bombers fan, it was sort of the only good result I took out of the last six weeks, really, was uh, was Carlton not making the eight. Um, Bandit, a little side topic for you. We had, obviously, the, the um, Western Bulldogs-Hawthorne game and the Carlton Collingwood game, both of them extremely relevant for finals picture. Would you be a fan of sort of putting the games all on at the same time like they do in the EPL on the final day? I saw that was sort of being thrown around a bit on Twitter this week, and I thought it would have would have been fantastic for this specific situation to have both teams not knowing what the scenario was for them. Yeah, I, I did see a bit of that chat during the week. I'm not a massive fan of it because I think from a fan point of view, you actually want to watch you know as many of those games as you can in, in their entirety. So... Um, yeah, not not a fan of it myself. Um, I, I do get the do get the chat around it. Obviously, it is quite a quite a thing overseas with with the Premier League and and such. But yeah, from from my point of view, I'd rather have every game sort of separate. And then it, it, I don't think it really matters too much what um, you know where the players find out pre game or during the game or or whatever. I think it just adds to the theatre of it. So uh, yeah, I'm in favour of keeping games um, as separate from each other as possible. Nico, you're a Premier League fanatic. Um, can you bring some perspective on on their setup over here? Like, did, do you think it would have yeah. been great yesterday as a Pies fan? Um, if you if you were sort of kind of keep an eye on the Western Bulldogs game as well, and I don't know, watching Sydney going at the same time, like, what what would that no, have been like for you? I think the drama was still there anyway. So, um, you know, people looking at the live ladder and the percentage and all that kind of stuff. And look, I mean, the Premier League have brought it in for you know corruption reasons and that kind of thing. I mean, you don't want people you know, to be handing opposition teams um, the game. And I think it's probably a bit easier to do that in, in the, the round ball mm. format than, than our game. So I think we just leave it as is. And it gives that neutral fan, I guess, the option as well. If, if you know, the games are in the same state, they can, you know, they can go to both games if they're that keen or, or whatever. So, yeah, leave it as is for me. Traditionalist. Love it. Love it, boys. Very good chat. Um, we're about to do some planning for 2023, this podcast. Uh, but how well do you know your numbers outside of Supercoach? With interest rates going up at the moment, it might be time to finally trade banks and save yourself a bit of cash. Not sure where to start? Shoot Pat and George Mortgage Choice, all one word, a message on Instagram or give them a call on 02-9521-1611. Mention the SC Playbook podcast and they will take care of the rest. It's been a great 
first season for us paired up with uh, Mortgage Choice SCW, and we want to thank them for everything they've done for the podcast. Now, onto the big topics, uh, boys. I'm really excited. We've got some really good stuff to get into. The first thing, um, we already did this with the two of you a couple of weeks ago, so I don't want to go too in-depth with uh, looking back on your years because we've heard a bit about your lessons and uh, the worst trades and whatnot. But I do kind of want to find out just a, just a broad picture to, to colour the rest of this pod with. So, Nico, are you happy with your, with your season? No, hell no. No, I think a, um, a rank of, a, of 11, 4, 3, 4 is a, is a much larger number than 2. So, um, <laughs> look, definitely not happy. Um, you know, obviously a lot of things went wrong. Not much went right. So, yeah, no, no not pleased and definitely, I guess, um, more hungry to, to learn from my mistakes this time around and, and go better next year. I like it. It's a good outlook to have. I mean, if you, if you finish second every year, the game wouldn't be as rewarding as it is. Um, we need that difficulty level. Speaking of, um, did we see Selby, um, the coach of Marrera's Magic, finished in mm. eight overall for this season? So he adds that to his uh, his double wins in AFL Fantasy and now an eighth in his first season playing Supercoach. I mean, that is Three. that is quite Insane. something. Um, I hope we see. I hope we read some sort of article about him and, and his story in the future because I want to know everything about that man. Um, he's special. Bandit, um, moving on, what about you? How was your season 2022? Um, and what sort of lessons, similar to Nico, what, what, what mindset are you going to take into, into next year about when you're looking back on this year? Yeah, look, as I said on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, short answer is is no. Uh, I was probably too aggressive with, with trading early on and that probably hurt through the middle stages of the year. Um, probably those those players I traded in with those trades are probably probably as much the problem as actually trading itself. So that's something I'll need to be a bit more conservative with um, next year, particularly if we're going back to, to 30 trades, um, like I suspect we will. Um, and also my buy planning pretty much blew up in my face over the course of that um, period as well, and that really set me back in the overall rankings. So, uh, yeah, need to start thinking about that a lot earlier next year and, and be a bit more proactive in, in how I trade in and out um, based on, on those buy rounds. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, for, I was very, very happy with my season personally. Um, I think you can you can never turn up your nose at sort of a top 1,000, top 500 finish. So really happy with that. Um, the next sort of question I wanted to ask you guys, it, it's a bit hard to quantify, but um, I was just kind of thinking about it in my head. Had, every, had everything gone right this season? Had sort of every 50-50 marginal call gone right for me? Um, where could I have possibly been sitting? Because I think if you if you can honestly say that if you, the 50-50s all went right, you would have been we would have potentially won Supercoach. And I think you've probably played the game as well as you possibly can because you can't control those coin flips. Um, but often it's the case that, yeah, other factors come into play and, you know, you might not have actually been good enough to finish in the top 1,000 or the top 100 or whatever. I was just sort of thinking, so I think if everything had gone my way, I think top 100 was a realistic possibility. Then I also think anything outside of the top 1,000 would also have been on the cards if things had gone the wrong way and, you know, those 50-50 calls hadn't gone right. Nico, do you get what I'm sort of aiming at yeah. with this question? And um, where, where do you think your high and low could have been had everything gone right or everything gone wrong? Yeah, so taking, um, I guess, out of the equation was like my starting lineup. So my starting yeah. lineup was my starting lineup. So I guess from that point, if, if most, thing, most things went sort of right, I'd probably be looking at a, maybe a top 5K kind of finish, I reckon. Um, so maybe saved a trade or two um, as well towards the end of the season. I would have been able to trade out a Mitch Duncan and, and not play a Massimo and maybe bringing a Heaney or something and you're looking at probably another 200 points you know, on, on its own just by having one trade, you know, at the yeah. end of the year. So, um, yeah, maybe, maybe you know, not traded out primos as well, like um, Will Brody and, um, you know, and Cogs, <laughs> and, you know, and, and losing trades there um, and obviously losing on-field points at the same time. So double whammy there. So, I mean, look, yeah, I mean, I think – the way I started my, my team off was just I had too many players wrong in that initial lineup to to really do well this year. Yeah, I think it's worth noting that I think pretty much everything that could have gone wrong in your season did go wrong. You had a very unlucky season, so I think the floor for your for your season is it would not be much lower than than sort of the rank you ended up with, I guess, because everything that could have gone wrong really did go wrong over the most part. Um, so yeah, I think you're, that's a very good analysis, Bandit. What about you? Where, how do you feel about your season in those terms and, and what could have been what could have been and what might have been if, it, if things had gone the wrong way? Yeah, I think, I mean, the ceiling for me probably is a little bit lower than Nico. So, you know, I would have liked to have sneaked back, snuck back into the top top 10,000. Um, I was sort of looking back at where my rank was um, sort of two-thirds of the way through the year and I was ranked 28,500 overall um, after round 17. Uh, I managed to claw that back to sort of eighteen and a half thousand at the end of the year, and I only made three trade, uh, four trades through that period. Sorry, so um, yeah, it just goes to show like 
if, if the foundations are there and, and your primos are rock solid, um, you don't really need to do that much trading to sort of shoot back up the rankings relatively quickly. So um, that's something that I definitely need to keep in mind for next year and hopefully um, everyone else is keeping in mind as well. Love it, Bandit. Um, the next little section that I want to get onto um, when we're looking back at this year is uh, what I'm going to call the SC Playbook Awards. So I've, I've thought of a few categories. I'm interested to see what you guys think, um, if we could add in more categories, if we could add in less categories. Um, but I want to give some awards out for some players that did some good or some bad things over the course of this season. Because uh, I think there's some pretty interesting topics in here that we can discuss. So the first one I want to I want to throw at you, Nico, is and I've, I've basically told you guys the remit for these awards are the criteria is purely yours to decide. So I'm not going to give you any stringent statistical or whatever. It's purely up to you to decide who the winner is for each of these awards. So without further ado, I want to hear, Nico, who your defender of the year in Supercoach 2022 was. Yeah, so we haven't discussed this offline, so we're probably not gonna have um, <laughs> probably going to have some similar similar players. Um, but my premium defender of the year goes to Jack Sinclair from the Saints. Uh, he had a 2,502 uh, overall total points score uh, for the season at an average of 113.7, and really took his game to another level. And I had him on top purely because of his. Um, his ownership as well was, was a bit, little bit less than others, like a Sicily, who you know is probably a, another candidate for this type of award. But yeah, I, I've lent towards um, Sinclair. Love it, Nico. Um, Bandit, have you gone with the same reasoning as Nico, or have you branched out a little bit? No, I've I've uh, gone similar, and I've I've actually picked out Sicily as my um, defender of the year. Um, he's really just stepped up to be that uber primo um, this year after coming back from that knee injury. There was probably a few question marks around whether he'd be able to get back to delivering the output that we saw before he did that knee or, or whether he'd be able to, you know, come back straight in and and uh, become that uber primo that we thought he might. But um, that's exactly what he's done. He's, he's had a really a really great season. Um, he's got a great game that's built for Supercoach. He's, he's an intercept beast and uses the ball particularly well. So, um, yeah, if he's not winning Hawthorne's best and fairest this year, I'd be, I'd be very surprised. He's, he's been clearly their best player. I'm with you, Bannon. I, I think it's a two-man race between Sicily and Sinclair, and I've lent just towards Sicily because I think it's it's kind of rare, particularly with defenders, and we saw that saw it with a few instances this year that players actually live up to that preseason hype. Um, so we saw the likes of Crisp and Short. Everyone was hyping them up over preseason. They fell apart. Sicily, meanwhile, has just been gone from strength to strength. I think he was the second highest overall total points in defenders for the season. Um, so he gets the nod for that. Just Nico, you're shaking he's- your head at me. No, no, it's good. He, his price just keep going up and up and up and up and up. Like, it was crazy mm. at the start of the year. So, yeah, he, he didn't put in a bad one probably for the first half of the year. He was fantastic. I also want to shout out um, Sam Doherty as well, who I think had a claim to this award um, and was also brilliant for the whole year and was extremely painful to watch as someone who didn't own him at all all year, uh, which I think was one of the decisions I made very wrongly. So, well done, Sam Doherty too. Um, midfielder of the year, Bandit. Uh, there's a, It's a crowded field. I think there's probably... One standout, if we're going to look at purely um, stats and game by game and total points and average, etc. Um, but Nico, you're getting shaking my head at me. But Bandit, what have you got for midfielder of the year? Yeah, I uh, I couldn't go past Lockie Neal here. Um, you know, for a guy who was banged up last year to sort of um, come out and get back to his Brownlow medal winning form, I think was a, a great result for for super coaches. I think he was in just about every um, serious players team at the start of the year at about 540k or. Or whatever he was, um, but yeah, finished as a top scoring player for the year, um, albeit playing one more game than, than Clayton Oliver. But I think that speaks to the durability he was able to, to recapture this year after missing a fair bit of um, time on the sidelines through injury last year. So um, no doubt he'll be in the mix for a starting spot in, in my um, in my midfield in twenty twenty three. Love it, Nico. I went slightly different, but I want to hear who you've gone with first. Uh, yeah, my one's Rory Laird. So mm. um, only 20 games for, for Rory, missed the first two, um, and an average of 127.8. Uh, and once again, I've sort of lent towards lower lower ownership as well. So 21.8% of coaches um, had him or, or took the um, took the leap of faith when, when he was ready to be to be picked up. So yeah, I've gone with him probably just ahead of, of Clayton Oliver and then um, and then Lockie Neal. Yep, I have also gone with Rory Laird. I think he was, from the moment, he's only played 20 games this year, so two less than some of the other boys and still sort of challenging them, challenging them on the total points rankings. Uh, and he's going to be an uber primo for years to come, you'd think. Got a lot of good footy ahead of him. Um, he's going to be one of the focal points of that Crows midfield. So, yeah, Rory Laird gets the nod for me there. Sorry, Bandit. 
Um, this is where it starts to get interesting, though, because I think um, a few of these coming up awards we could have a million different players for. Um, ben, at Ruck of the Year, uh, this was probably the hardest position to pick all year. So I'm intrigued to see who you're going to give the award for Ruck of the Year 2022. Yeah, this was a, a tough one. It's been a weird year for, for Rucks. I think overall they're, they're just scoring less points than the previous years and maybe they're they're being a little less dominant than what they were previously. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in 2023 with with those sorts of players. But in terms of this year, I, I couldn't really go past um, Max Gorn. Uh, as good as Wits was, um, you know, we're all looking for that set-and-forget type. And, and Gorn still is that player, I think, despite missing a couple of games with an ankle injury midway through the year. So um, he's just so important the way to the way that Melbourne play. Um, and when he's up and going, he's still a super coach beast. Um, so I couldn't go past him as the only Ruckman who averaged more than 110 in uh, in 2022. Interesting. Nico, you on the same page or are we going different there? No, I've gone different. I think Jared Witz was just the clear number one. Um, yeah. So average of, of pretty much bang on 110 uh, and, you know, 160 points clear of number two on the total points list in the ruck line. So, yeah, I think he was by far and away. And look, at his, at his starting price as well, if you factor that in, I think, yeah, easily the number one pick. Yeah, for me, it was very, very clear. Um, starting with him um, in round one and keeping him at R1 all season was probably uh, the most beneficial ma- move I made all season. So, yeah, Jared Witts, uh, he gets the Ruck of the Year award from me. Um, and the last one in this category, we're going to go forward of the year. Nico, there are, there are a lot of different criteria you could apply here. Um, I've chosen to interpret it as someone who started the year as a forward, um, but mm. you may not have. Who is oh. your forward of the year? <laughs> No, I didn't. So I've I've put Bont in there. Um, so yeah, tricky, tricky. Um, how are you going to analyze th- this one with all the DPP changes? But an average of 116, at 35% ownership, and he played one less game, I think, than than a lot of the others, and and was only like 60 points off the the top scoring um, forward in the game. So I think, um, yeah, I think once he made that move, um, or once he could pick him up rather as as a forward, he. Yeah, he, he was pretty, pretty consistent. I think maybe only one score below 100, and that was in the 90s. So, yeah, another one I, I missed. So, yeah. <laughs> Bandit, what about you there? It's a bit of a sour note there, Nico. Uh, yeah, I, I was I was along the same thinking as you, Eddie. I, I was only looking at guys who started the year as forwards, not ones who um, became DPPs throughout the throughout the year. And for that reason, I went with uh, with Josh Dunkley. Uh, lots of people started mm-hmm. him at, as their F1, and he would have finished in that position had we not had... Uh, some of his uh, Bulldogs teammates become um, become forwards throughout the uh, the home and away season. He had some low scores. Uh, it was always good for a fifty or a sixty on a on a poor day, but um, his good days were were easily one hundred and thirty plus, um, if not more. So, um, yeah, I think he was clearly of the of the crop who started as as forwards at the start of the year. I think he was clearly the best. I agree. I'm with Dunkley there as well. Um, moving on to the rookie of the year, and I'm going to start us off with a bit of a curveball here. I'm going to try and talk you guys into Nick Martin here as rookie of the year. Mm, (laughs) Um, and the reason I'm going to do that is because I think it's one thing to come in as a really highly touted super coach player. Like we know Nick Dacos was, um, that came in. We were all aware that he had this potential in him, um, that he was going to be a star. We didn't think he'd be quite as good as this, but that's beside the point. I think the beauty of Nick Martin was that there was literally zero hype in in preseason. I'd be surprised if he was in. 0.5% 0.5% of teams before that being named in round one. Um, he was nowhere near it. Came from the clouds, averaged 80, played 21 games. Uh, he was about as reliable as they come, consistent, um, had a high ceiling. That round one game, that round two game, that round three game when he put up tons in all of them, uh, he was fantastic. So Nick Martin wins my Rookie of the Year award. Uh, and now I'll remove my Bromers glasses and pass over to you, Nico, for what I'm sure will be an, a good rebuttal I'll, of that. I'll put my Collingwood glasses on and... <laughs> And talk about Nick Dacos. So, yeah, look, I think he's probably been the rookie of, of probably all the years, um, Nick Dacos. <laughs> so um, 310K profit um, from his starting price, an average of 91.3. Obviously, first-year player um, playing, you know, in a in a high-pressure role off the back line there, potentially, you know, getting tagged and attention and still sort of working his way relatively well through that and, just using the ball really, really well, um, giving us a lot of lot of drive and a lot of poise and just seems to have a very mature head on his shoulders. And even the last play sort of there uh, against the Blues on the weekend, just, you know, tapping it to the line and getting it towards a teammate and just when, when Carlton were ready to sort of surge again. So, yeah, I, I think it's not 100% clear cut. Um, I mean, Nick Martin, you know, he, he made 293K for the year, so 
you know, he's not all that far away, but I, I you know, Nick Dacos for me um, as the rookie of the year. Which side do you fall on, Bandit, or can you throw a third contender in the mix? No, nah, no third contenders for me. I think uh, Nick Dacos was clearly the, the number one rookie this year. It's not often that you see a, a first-year player become a, a season-long keeper, and that's what he ended up he ended up doing. Um, interestingly, I was just looking at um, the consistency ratings that you can see on um, on the Supercoach website and app, and um, interestingly, Nick Martins was 12.2, which is which is quite good, and Nick Dacos's was 38. So that gives you a bit of an <laughs> idea of um, some of the consistency that Martin delivered over the course of the year, and there's no no doubt that he was an excellent um, cash cow for us. But, um, yeah, I think Dacos's ceiling, um, as well as his role, just meant that he was a bit, a bit more of a super coach um, stud for us in his first year. So hopefully that continues um, into next year and, and beyond. Love it. Yeah, I think he's going to be a premium as soon as even next year. I think there'll be a lot of people starting with him next year. Um, cash cow of the year, Nico, who was the guy that you started with that was just not, not necessarily a rookie, but someone that you just you held on to that made that that really important cash for you in the in the lean middle rounds? Yeah, I didn't hold on to him long enough, but it's Will Brody for me, 258k profit at an average of 102.4 and eligible rather as a, as a forward option. And the reason I've sort of lent towards him over others is his time on ground. I mean, so I mean, what would he have scored if he was actually getting decent time on ground numbers? So I think um, the guy's pretty special. Another another Gold Coast player that you know they've let go and um, and turned into just a, a you know a proper like serious serious footballer. Indeed, um, I think there's probably one other major candidate here. I'm not surprised Nico didn't choose him. Uh, Bandit, <laughs> anyone else? Anyone else eligible for this award for you? Uh, no, not from not from my end. I, I went with Brody as well. Uh, I actually traded him out at his buy round for for Bontempelli, which ended up being a great trade for me because that was pretty much um, Brody's peak price around the sort of five five hundred and sixty k mark. Um, and then from that point onwards, um, I got an extra score out of Bont as well for the remainder of the year because Brody was going into his buy and Bont had already had his. So um, that was a bit of a tick there on the on the trading side of things. But um, yeah, hopefully hopefully he can build a bit more of a tank and. Um, play some more uh, minutes on ground for, for Freo. Obviously, with, with Mundy retiring, they're going to need some of these younger guys to start stepping up in the midfield. And um, he's shown that he can he can do it, but he needs to do it for longer um, with, with Mundy retiring. So, fingers crossed he can have a big preseason and, um, yeah, continue the great form that he's shown this year. Can't imagine who you're thinking about. <laughs> all I'm going to say, Nico, is that Cogs made 270k and Brody made 260k from his starting price. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I also I also think it's Will Brody for the record, but I do like pushing Nico's buttons. Um, <laughs> um, special mention before we go: Ed Richards um, was was pretty hmm. amazing for the Dogs. Two hundred and fifty k profit on his starting price. Um, looks to have you know pretty much killed you know Caleb Daniel as an option um, for us moving forward as well. Spoiler alert: He will be coming up later in this pod, Ed Richards. Um, moving on to our bust of the year, uh, I'm going with Matt Rowell, who I started. Uh, he managed just seven tons for the year. Um, that 157 in round one proved to be one of the biggest teasers of all time. Um, he was very disappointing. I don't think he's taken that next step to become a, a premium midfielder. Noah Anderson's clearly overtaken him both in super coach terms and in real life terms as well. Um, and it's going to be a hard midfield to break into at the Suns. So he is my bust of the year, Matt Rowell. Bandit, who have you got for this award? Yeah, this is a this could be a harsh bust. I suspect it'll be a harsh bust on uh, on Nico's end, but uh, Brody Grundy uh, cops it from me uh, for this year. Just couldn't just couldn't deliver on what we'd hoped um, to get from him in, in 2022. That was largely through injury, of course, but he was only averaging 103 through the six games that he did play, um, which I personally felt at the time was was a little bit unders, given that he's been a 120 plus average um, ruckman in the past. So. Uh, you never know. We might get him at a bit of a cheeky discount next year, which would be uh, which would be very handy. Maybe at a different club too. Indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. Imagine a God. Imagine what 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 chaos would he'd have a Gorn and Grundy combination hit in real life. That would be just amazing. Uh, Nico, who have you got as your bust of the year? Yeah, it's probably maybe a touch harsh um, because he was the number six overall for for total points. But I've got Jack McRae um, oh, as the bust. Yes. So. Lost um, well, 163k wait. on his on his starting price, and uh, an average of 115, which you know is probably about sort of 10 10 points less than what I was expecting from him going into the year. Obviously, it's it's a pretty pretty open category this one. So I mean, there's there's short that you can throw in there. There's crisp that you can yeah. throw in there. You could probably throw in Tim English in in the mix here as well because um, 
you know, he popped out that, that 160 against West Coast. And I think at that time, Ben, that I picked him over Bond um, after the buy. So, yeah, um, I think he was a pretty big bust as well. The other, the other guy I should mention as well who was in quite a few starting teams and was in that same bracket as Matt Real was actually uh, Jared Berry at Brisbane as well, um, which is yeah. someone that we hoped yeah. might uh, give us a little sugar hit at the start of the year, but um, didn't actually end up getting over 400K until uh, until round 13, which was um, way too late for, for many coaches who had already put him in the bin by then. So, uh, yeah, he's got to get a mention in this uh, in this category as well. You know, you know who's another quality bust is uh, Ben Keys. I mean, a lot of people went to him after mm. his buy. True. And um, he averaged 72 after his buy, and he finished Ooh. the last three Jeez. with a 40, 66, and a 46. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Yuck. I mean, he was That's... he was going pretty consistent in hundreds to 110. Yeah, so I think a lot That's, of people uh... would have been trapped there. That's always always been the worry with Keys is I think we all know, know deep down that he's not really that good of a midfielder um, and he is going to get taken over by some of these Crows young guns at some point and I, I think it has come. He just doesn't have the disposal quality. He can't can't kick the ball when he gets it. I, I like him as a player but um, yeah, you're right, Nico. That was a very busty uh, little run from him. Um, tease of the year. This is slightly different to the bust. It's, it's more someone that when they're good, they're great and when they're bad, they're just awful um, which I think is probably the least enjoyable type of person to own just because the highs are so high and the lows are just so very, very low. Um, my uh, my nomination for this award is Tim English. He's gone, he went five 120 plus scores and five sub 90 scores. So um, he was just wildly inconsistent. Um, the minute he looked like a primo, it turned around and he wasn't again. Uh, Nico, can you beat Tim English for me here? Oh, it's a really good shout, that one. I've gone Dylan Moore, who maybe you might uh, agree with as well. So, close. Close. Yeah, he um he had an average of ninety four point six, which on paper, you know, is pretty good for a forward. Um played, you know, decent mid numbers, got got good CBA numbers, especially um when I picked him up in, in the last third of the year. But just yeah, he he'd pop out a one twenty and look really, really good and then he'd get like a, a seventy or something in the week later and it just kept happening like that. So um I think he was a bit of a tease, but I think Petrarca might also fall into this category as well with mm. with the big big scores and and then quite a few you know there maybe with illness and that kind of thing but yeah you'd probably be thinking a 125 for him and he only had an 112 average so i think he's a, a little bit of a tease as well yep indeed bandit um round us out here with the tease of the year for you yeah, I tend to agree as a Petrarca owner from the start with uh, with you there, Nico. He was he was quite frustrating to own at times, particularly in the second half of the year when Melbourne weren't going that well. That seemed to replicate, um, that seemed to mirror, I should say, Petrarca's form, which which tailed off a little bit um, for a while there. But uh, my nomination for uh, for this category was uh, was Aaron Hall. Uh, started the year with two scores of 120 plus, then went sub 100 for the next three weeks and got injured. We didn't see him again until around 13. Then they had a bye. Then he came back and scored a 153. And then that was when everyone sort of jumped on him and, and was keen to ha- uh, hang on to him for the rest of the year. And then he uh, came out and did his quad in the first uh, in the first 10 minutes, I think it was, against Geelong the next week. Got subbed out and only scored, and only scored 18. And then uh, everyone had to trade him out again. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, not so much the fact that he's a tease with his performance, but just a tease in the sense that when he's up and going, he's phenomenal. But the other times, he's yeah. injured. So that's not much good to anyone. Yeah. Sounds very similar to one of Nico's boys, Braden Proust, uh, who could also have easily been nominated for this award. Um, he made, he the made last... 200k. Yeah, that's a, come that's on. A bit hard. <laughs> he, he wasn't too bad. Oh, come on. <laughs> um, the last award before we get to our overall Supercoach MVP is the It's Time to Say Goodbye Award. And this is quite a sad little category. Um, it's players that, that you might you think might have just reached the end of their run as a Supercoach primo. Um, I think there are a couple of really good nominations here, but I'm going to start with you, Nico. Um, who have you got for the it's time, it's time to Say Goodbye Award? I've got Daniel Rich here. So oh, uh, another year, another year older. Yeah. I think there'll be more missed games um, coming up as well. Kitty Coleman um, potentially taking over uh, more of his role as well. So I don't care how many kickouts he's on in the preseason next year. I'm definitely not going to Daniel Rich. Love it. Um, I've got a sort of two-pronged um, version here. The first one I'm going to go with is GWS. I'm sick of picking GWS players. I, I'm off it. Um, I think that they're, they're the long, they're the uh, they're the fallen primo for me of the uh, of the Supercoach world at the moment. I can't stand them. And the other one is Jake Lloyd, who I think we should recognise as being one of the one of the great Supercoach defenders over the last decade. And I think his time has officially passed with the likes of uh, Nick Blakey and uh, all the other randoms that, that Sydney have going through there, who are incredibly good at the moment. 
Um, Bennett, who have you got for us for this award? Uh, I had Patrick Dangerfield in this uh, in this bracket. Uh, he's well and truly in the Supercoach Hall of Fame. Don't don't get me wrong, but um, his best days are clearly behind him. He's had two injury affected years in a row now, and that um, to me suggests that um, the body's starting to to fail him a little bit. Where you know three or four years ago he was bulletproof and averaging 130 for fun. So on his best days, he's still a gun. But um, yeah, those days are just becoming less and less frequent, and his averages um, dropped to 83 this year from 50 from 15 games, I should say. So I think um, yeah, the days of picking Paddy Dangerfield in our teams uh, unfortunately is over. Really good one, Bandit. Rate that. Um, last award that we've got is the overall Supercoach MVP of 2022. Again, no criteria here. Uh, the floor is absolutely open to you guys. Bandit, who is your MVP for the 2022 season? Yeah, this was um, this was a bit of a tricky one. I, the way I looked at it wasn't purely just on how many points a player scored or what their average was over the course of the year. I wanted to sort of see which players, if you own them, provided a big sort of point of difference, I guess, compared to other teams. Um, so when I weighed all of those factors up, the MVP for me this year was was Rory Laird. Um, the reason being that mm-hmm. he was the highest averaging player in the game at 127.8, um, but he was only owned by 21.8% of teams. So this meant that those teams had a really distinct advantage over those who didn't own him, particularly in the second half of the year when he was you know, a really safe captain option um, week in, week out. So uh, yeah, for my, reason, uh, for my reasoning, um, Laird, Laird gets the MVP. Uh, that gets a big thumbs up from me, Bandit. That's exactly the path I went down. Um, I think, yeah, as you say, that it cannot be understated how how important it is to have a guy like Rory Led that is a unique, but is also one of the top five, six, seven players in the game. And he was the best player in the game in a lot of metrics. So he uh, he gets a tick from me too. Nico, um, talk us out of it. Can you, or are you going down that road as well? Oh, I think it was a two-horse race. Um, I just lent with Clayton Oliver um, with an average of 127.1, a reliable captain option uh, every week. Obviously the same with Laird. Uh, but because I gave the midfielder award to, to Laird, I sort of went, I'll go with Clayton Oliver for the uh, for the MVP. I think if you didn't have him, uh, you would have struggled with um, you know with both league games uh, and and overall rank. Um, so yeah, I mean if he didn't injure his thumb as well, you know, missed a, or didn't miss a game or or you know the last quarter of where he did get that thumb injury and he was a little bit hampered when he came back as well. So yeah, he could have he could have finished well well ahead of Rory Led too as well. Thank you, Nico. Love it. That is all of our Supercoach Awards for Season 2022. Congratulations to all the players. I'm sure they will be thrilled to be informed that they've won these awards. Um, so congratulations to all of them. Um, now, boys, if you like a punt, check out topsport.com.au. They're the home of the best same-game multi in the business where the odds actually add up. We're going to be previewing their markets throughout the season. Use the code SC Playbook if you're linking up your account so they know we sent you. Helps out the podcast. 18 plus only. Gamble responsibly. Last one of these for the year, Nico. I just want to shout myself out, by the way, tipping uh, the Bulldogs to make the finals. I think I was in double-digit odds uh, a few weeks ago when I tipped it on here. So I hope a few of you got on that bet. Um, that came right down to the wire, but we got there in the end. Um, Nico, what have you found of value on top sport this week? Obviously, there's no AFL footy on, but there is plenty of other footy in the mix. Yeah, I've had a look at the futures market uh, at top sport, and I've done the little... Uh, what is it, the little projector or whatever on the AFL website to, to see sort of how the finals are going to pan out. And maybe, just maybe, I'm, I'm got my Collingwood glasses on here, but I don't mind the Collingwood-Geelong grand final Quinella at $11. So I think mm. we'll lose to the Cats, um, you know, in the first week of finals. But then I reckon we'll probably end up playing Frio at home and I think we'll, we'll beat them. And then we go into a Melbourne prelim and our record against Melbourne is, is elite. Um, so I reckon they'd be they'd be really, really, really worried about that matchup, Melbourne. So yeah, I quite fancy us to knock them over again and then face oh. the Cats in the, in the big one. He is very, very bullish, isn't he? We love to see it, man. It's great to hear. Nico's up and about. The Pies have got him. Um, he's a changed man from the start of the season, that's for sure. Uh, Bandit, what sort of value have you found on top sport for us? Yeah, Nico's Nico's up and about after a one-point win over over Carlton who couldn't hit the side of a barn door yesterday. Um, yeah, I think I need to talk my, my last bet up here as well on the on the pod. I think I tipped the dogs to finish in the top eight. At, I think it was $3.30 at the time, so that was a, a pretty good result. Um, I'm selfishly riding a, a three-leg multi of the dogs to finish top eight, Pies to finish top four, and Geelong to, to win the flag. So sitting on a potentially um, live ticket there. So that'd be, that'd be nice. Um, but given we're doing our last pod for the year, I think I'll 
back Melbourne to, to win the flag outright at, at $3.20 on top sport at the moment. Um, they should play all their finals in Melbourne. Um, if they if they play what they did against Brisbane um, last week, I just can't see many teams bothering them outside of Geelong or or maybe Sydney. But I think the rest of them um, either are coming from too far back or just don't have the don't have the ceiling that, that Melbourne do. So um, yeah, I'll probably be jumping on the D's this week and uh, yeah, hoping for a, a result either out of Geelong or, or Melbourne. I love it, Bandit. Um, I'm putting my Bombers glasses well and truly on here, and I'm going to take the Essendon Bombers AFLW side. Futures to win the AFLW Premiership this year. Uh, the girls were unbelievable in the VFL earlier this season. They won the, the Premiership undefeated. Uh, it's obviously going to be the first season for them uh, and the new AFLW. All the cards are up in the air. I think there's going to be a lot of change in the league. Um, I don't see why a new team coming in can't win it. So I'm going to go with uh, my Bombers ladies to get the job done. Paying 15 bucks, I think that's pretty good value for a team that's coming off an undefeated year in the VFL. Um Next topic for us to get into, boys, um, is one I've been looking forward to, or forward to for a while. Um, it's a look ahead to 2023. So I want to just find out a few players that, that you guys, we're not going to get too in-depth in this. I don't think there's any point this early. Um, we don't know about the trade period, coaches. There's a lot of things to play out. But I just want to, wanted to find out where your heads are at and which players are sort of on your radar going into 2023 and that you will be watching in preseason. Um, so I am going to go with to you, Nico, first. Mm-hmm. I want to find out a couple of breakout candidates for you. Um, that you're looking at in defence that you think can maybe make that jump into the elite bracket of super coach defenders. Yeah, he, he's this guy's probably made a, a, a pretty significant uh, jump already. But I got Daniel Rioli um, here in, in a new role. I think he'll be better again with a, with a preseason and, and you know another another year under his belt. Um, average of 92, but a three round average of 108 for him to finish the year really really strong. Heading into finals, and I think, yeah, I think he's uh, he's going to be a big watch for me in the preseason. I also don't mind Sam Taylor from the Giants. I know I've got a little bit of a of a no Giants policy, um, <laughs> but he's just a really good intercept um, defender and um, and and plays really really well. And I think I think it's two years in a row now where he's really really finished strongly. So hopefully, um, you know, he'll have a really good preseason and then have a a, a really good whole season um, next time around. I like it a lot. Um, is there anyone else that takes a fancy nickel or just the one there? No, I just got those two guys. So Rioli and, and Sam Taylor that I'll be oh, keeping sorry, an eye on. Sam yep. Taylor. Love it. Um, what about you, Bandit? Who are you looking at? Yeah, a couple of guys out west that I won't uh, mind keeping an eye on over the preseason. That's Jordan Clark and uh, and Hayden Young as well. Both um, sort of averaged between uh, sort of the high 80s or the low 90s this year. Um it's obviously a bit of a question mark given that Luke Ryan's still still down there and he's sort of their, their super coach magnet for, for points down there. But, um, yeah, those two are obviously young guys and, and will be around for some time to come still. So, uh, yeah, I think one of those guys can definitely make the jump to, to primo status in the next couple of years potentially. Brilliant. I am going to go with Ed Richards, who we spoke about earlier. He's almost breaking out at this point. He's got a five-round average of 110. Um, so, like you said, Nico, he's, uh, he's taking that Caleb Daniel role and, and dominating with it. So, that's been good to say. I'm definitely going to watch what's happening there at the Bulldogs. And then the other one is Kitty Coleman, who I think threatened to break out this season. Um, had a couple of massive games, impacted by injury a little bit. Uh, but Nico, as you say, as they sort of phase Daniel Rich and they lost Grant Birchall, obviously, they've got a, they've got those spots opening up in the back line. I think he looks like the natural inheritor to that throne coming up halfback for Brisbane. So Kitty Coleman uh, is another one I'm looking at. Um, in terms of midfielders, Bandit, um, this is always a fertile ground for breakouts. We've seen a couple of Really, really good ones this season. I think Luke Davies, Uniac, um, uh, he's already broken out this season. I'm sure we'll be keeping an eye on him for next season as well. Uh, but who else have you got for midfielders that could take that leap, Bandit? Yeah, I'm, I'm red hot on LDU next year, um, potentially with with Clarko coming in as, as a new coach. Um, his development's obviously going really nicely. Averaged 100 super coach points this year, but... Uh, who knows what what he's going to be able to produce next year under under Clarkson? So there's a big watch for me on on him over the preseason. The other one I had um, was Chad Warner at the Swans. Um, he's put together some really nice games this year. Just a really damaging sort of player. Um, I think Super Coach sort of favours those um, sort of game shaping players, and and he is certainly one of those. So um, he doesn't need to do a hell of a lot to to attract a lot of Super Coach points, and he's definitely someone I'm keeping a very close watch on over the over the preseason. I love it. Um, I've gone with Noah Anderson as one of my players here. 110 five-round average. Uh, he's breaking out as one of the Sun stars. And I also think Hugh McCluggage is, is due to, to take that next step as well. Um, I think, yeah, that Brisbane midfield with sort of Dane Zorko and Lockie Neal and 
Um, it's starting to age a little bit, so I think they are going to start rolling a few more guys in there. McCluggage, obviously, off the wing. Um, so he's one that I'm firmly looking at. Nico, who have you got here? Yeah, I don't mind the McCluggage shout. He's only 24, so he's probably coming into his prime, and he's been, you know, sort of floating um, with breaking out for a while now. I've actually haven't gone too rogue here. I, I think Christian Petrarca could potentially take his game to a new level going into next year and, and probably average around that sort of 125, 130 mark and maybe win a Brownlow. So we're kind Oof. of thinking that um, that he's he's got the right game for, for that. Um, and if he just starts, you know, hitting the scoreboard um, a lot better than he has, especially this year, um, and just, you know, getting rid of some of those down games, I think, you know, I think he might be one I'd, I'd take a plunge with at the start of next year. Um, I also don't mind, obviously, um, Brayshaw out, um, out west as well. So he could, of course, take his game to another level again. Yeah, love Just it. Just jumping in with one more as well, boys, that I was um, that I was thinking of. I've owned this guy in draft and he's been a, a very, very handy pickup as a defender, which I don't think he will be next year. But Harry Perryman at the, at the Giants, I know we said that we won't be picking any any Giants players <laughs> next year, but... You never know if they if they do happen to trade out a couple of players like Hopper or Taranto or or Whitfield or whoever um, at the end of this year. Um, I think he's shown enough um, that he's he's going to be a really solid player for them through the mids. Average ninety four and a half this year, so the um, the foundations are definitely there. Um, and if he's given more mid time in a in a midfield that's lacking a couple of um, a couple of players because they've traded them out, then I think he's definitely one to keep an eye on um, as well. Yeah, I like it, boys. Um, bit tougher going into this next line, but. Any Ruckman take your fancy? I know Rowan Marshall is probably the obvious call here without Paddy Ryder. Um, I think he, he's kind of already broken out. Nico, you're kind of shaking yeah. your head there. Anyone else Anyone else there in that line? It was kind of a nod. No, not really a shake of the head there. <laughs> but um, look, I've probably gone Tim English with, with Stefan Martin, you know, retiring. He could potentially, you know, have, you know, the number one Ruck role, you know, to his own. So, yeah, he, look, he might tease us again. But um, it was a really tough, tough one there. I sort of just slided with um, with English in this in this category. Yeah, like it, Bandit. Anyone else that you can chuck in there? It's uh, yeah, it's going to be a hard one. Yeah, it's a bit of a lottery heading into heading into next year, isn't it? Especially with some of the more established guys like sort of Gorn, um, Nick Nat, um, Goldstein. They're all sort of getting a bit long in the tooth now, and they've been sort of those set and forget types over the last sort of four or five years. So um, it's time for the next generation to come through. Um, no one's really jumping out of the page, off the page at me. Um, I don't mind the likes of sort of Darcy Cameron. If Grundy was to be to be traded elsewhere, you know, Darcy Cameron's probably their, their number one ruck at Collingwood, as he has been for most of the year. Um, Matt Flynn at the Giants, I think, has shown some really um, good super coach form over the year when he's played. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of that, it's it's a bit of a lottery to be honest. If if Jack Hayes was a, a forward eligible ruckman again, I'd maybe consider him as a sort of cut price F four or F three potentially. But um, I don't yeah, I, like I don't that. think he'll be ready for the start of the season, so he might um, he might fall by the wayside, unfortunately. Yeah, I forgot about him. He's probably another guy who will take points away um, from the Saints rock line there. Um, yeah, very it's, true. It, it's it's hard to. Um, Hard to fathom this, I think, for some maybe, but um, Sean Darcy's only twenty four, um, so mm. I mean he's he's really he should be really coming into his own. He just moves like a brick shit house, and um, yeah, I don't know. He's <laughs> he's a bit frustrating to own, obviously, as, as we've seen this year. But he, he's shown what he can do, um, so he he may be worth a plunge next year. Indeed, I like it. Um, and last line that we've got to get to is the forward line. Uh, Nico, anyone that stands out for you as, as potentially having that chance to break into the top six forwards next year that wasn't in near it or close to it this year? Yeah, look, assuming he's still going to be a forward, I've got Connor Rosie here. He's yeah. always been, you know, flirting uh, um, to, to do this. And, you know, a 34-touch game on the weekend, 163 against the Crows and a, and a 99 season average. He, um, he, he really took it up a notch um, this year. And, yeah, I think um, he could he could potentially just keep going. I like it. Um, I also had Rosie there, um, and I've also gone with Errol Goulden, who I think is a superstar in the making for Sydney. So I think if and when um, he breaks out, it's going to be monstrous, uh, and it's a good chance to be next year. I think he, he showed some serious flashes this year already. He's just a, he's a superstar in the waiting. Bandit, um, anyone else from the forward line that you like? Yeah, pretty slim pickings down here as well. I I, I do like Errol Goulden as well at the Swans. Um, fingers crossed he stays a he stays a forward. Um, I don't like the chances of that, but 
um, yeah, if he's if he's a forward next year, um, I'm definitely keen on keen on him. Um, Tim Taranto is another one as well. Um, you never know if he's going to another club. Um, he might become a full time midfielder in a Collingwood or a Richmond or someone like that. And I can really see some opportunity opening up for him if he was to was to change clubs. So he'd definitely be of interest as well. Yeah, indeed. Um, last little topic looking ahead is I want, I want I'm going to give you the guys the chance to get in really early. Um, it's always fun to sort of uh, pick up one of the guys in the draft and, and have them as your boy for the season and back them in and watch them play. And um, yeah, it's always a good time to jump on as early as you can with these guys. So Nico, I'm going to give you the chance to to choose one of the upcoming draftees. Um, <laughs> I've only got one option. Lot, <laughs> obviously, a lot to play out. Um, but yeah, I, and, and I'm going to be upset. I know who you're going to take, but uh, yeah, jump on board early. Yeah, Will Ashcroft, um, Brisbane father-son selection. So all reports are he, he's ready for AFL right now. Um, and we'll just slot straight in. So it looks like another, you know, Nick Dacos on our hands um, next year. So averaging 30, um, 33 disposals in the nation, national championships with 15 contested possessions and 10 clearances on average and, and 6.7 tackles. So, yeah, really, really good numbers, really, really good super coach scoring numbers. So I expect him just to be you know, lock and key next year. Beautiful. Bandit, um, is there any, anyone else that you can give to us apart from Ashcroft? I was hoping Nico would go a little bit wilder there, but he's he's taken the obvious option. Uh, no, not really. I should have hit up uh, our colleague Dylan Bolch to get the inside word on um, on all the draft days that are coming through. I haven't really sort of stayed across all, all that um, just yet, but the one who I am keen to, to keep an eye on for next year, and the dogs have already ruined him, unfortunately, by playing him in the last couple of games, is um is Sam Darcy. I think he can do some really oh, yeah, good in the in He's done some amazing things already. Um, yeah, he can play forward, back in the ruck. Um, once he puts on a bit more size, he could be absolutely anything potentially. So um, I'm not sure he'll be as all, all that super coach relevant. His price might sort of rule him out of that. But you never know. We, we did start a few sort of mid-200K forwards this year and if he stays as a forward then um yeah if we're light on in that area then maybe someone you can you can look at starting i really enjoy him he is going to be a serious footballer boys um it's kind of funny that i can't believe they haven't played him up until these last few games i mean if he looks like this i guess they wanted to get a little bit of meat on the bone potentially and um yeah he's going to be a a weapon for them in in their final He's, he's genuinely going to play and he's going to be good um so yeah they've done very very well there both ends of the ground too he's capable really good indeed uh, the one I'm going to jump on, again, uh, someone's going to take these Essendon glasses off off me. Um, it's Orwin, Orwin Davey Jr., um, the son, obviously, of Orwin Davey. Uh, he's coming through the NAB League at the moment, had 26 touches and a goal on the weekend um, in, a, in the same game that the likes of Sheasel and, and Ashcroft were playing. Uh, he's made his VFL debut already, uh, kicked a goal on debut, which is really nice. Um, he's looking like he's going to be a serious player. Essendon obviously have first nibble at him, um, and I will be... Very shocked if they decide not to take him, but he's exactly what we're crying out for, that sort of small forward um, with a bit of bit of excitement, uh, but can really play anywhere and can go up through the midfield as well. So I'm very pumped about Baldwin David Jr. A bit of excitement around Harley Reid as well, um, looking looking online. So, yeah, um, be good to have another Harley sort of coming through as, as a super coach option. <laughs> Indeed. Um, that's about all we've got time for today, boys. But just before we go, I wanted to give a plug for the rest of the the SC Playbook site. Um, there's a lot more content going on there over the next few weeks. Obviously, NRL Supercoach has another week to go, and then we get into BBL season, um, which is very exciting. I'll be playing BBL Supercoach over the AFL offseason. Uh, it's a great game. It's a lot of good fun. It scratches that itch over the summer, uh, and then we're into next season. So make sure you get over to scplaybook.com.au and, and sign up for a package that gets you um, every single piece of Supercoach content you could possibly want. Eddie, you're going to chuck the socks on as soon as they come in the mail? Straight, straight on to work? Straight on, Nico. Straight on immediately. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I can't wait to do it. Uh, boys, it's been an absolute pleasure having you both on the podcast this season um, and doing all the writing that you do as well and, and boosting the Twitter profile too. So I want to give a shout out to you guys. Um, yeah, it's been fantastic. Nico, thank you. Um, I hope we'll see you back again here next year. Will do. Thank you, mate. Lovely. Bandit, um, follow him on Twitter, the SC Bandit. Um, he's an absolute weapon when it comes to Supercoach. Bandit, thank you for joining me um, all these times this year. Pleasure, boys. Been good fun. Love it. And lastly, thank you to the listeners out there. Um, you guys have been fantastic, giving us great numbers every week. We've been super excited with how much people seem to have enjoyed this and got around the Instagrams and the Twitters and whatnot. So thanks to all the listeners. Um, we'll be back with the AFL Supercoach podcast next season. In the meantime, have a great off-season and enjoy it, boys. See ya. <laughs>